Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. Here is what we will see this year. So these are more like unstoppable trends that you can bank on. These are 10 of them. Number one, direct primary care has absorbed a third of all independent PCPs left. And it's those PCPs with wide scope practices like family practice and DOs and mid-levels that specialize in primary care I'm talking about. I estimate about half of them that are independent are now in direct primary care which is a four to six-year-old trend, even though DPCs have been around almost 30 years. And ironically, free market surgery, which shares the philosophy, was birthed the same year. It would be a much faster absorption if there were any real press or academic studies on this amazing option for doctors where everybody wins. More on that concept later, because there are eight clear, undeniable, provable winners in DPC. Free market surgery, too, for that matter. The case studies and the proof every day, literally. This is a radical shift away from corporate medicine, and it is exactly the only outlet pass that doctors and nurses need to return to their joy, their calling, while they got into the practice. Number two, employers will drive in growth into DPC funding as it proves a winner to their cost, absenteeism, and a lot more. CFOs are waking up driven by a brutal hiring environment and a tough economy, and it reduces overall spend direct and indirect as we've discussed the past 10 shows on a 10 to 1 ROI. And that's provable too, based on 3 million Californians in a seminal study published this year. Again, uncovered by the press. Number three, hospitals will only rapidly lose what they call providers, forcing pricey contractors in their payrolls, but lose patients too, as we are being steered out of the bigs for a few trends. Because independent outpatient free market surgery is 20 to 60% of the cost of those owned by the bigs. And more of us in direct care need less ER and urgent care with a PCP in our pocket or nearby. And by the way, hospitals are 100% blind to this shift in this new competition. Number four, consumers are also waking up too. Like the docs, opting out of the high deductibles and co-pays, half could never afford anyway, heading into subscription-based care with no friction in time or money. And that's the secret of DPC is no friction in time or money, especially when the employer pays for it. Number five, ACOs like Village MD, which is now Walgreens, and ChenMed will continue to snap up Medicare Advantage members wherever they are. These are the new highly rated clinics that work in what was a desert of drudgery and friction. Number six, medical bankruptcy grows at a million per month the past four years. It was 80 million when we started this show, and now it's 110 million in collections. Credit messed up for all those people, dunning calls. It's a lousy trick the bigs pull on 33,000 innocents a day, most who have insurance. And it is for this reason, number seven, employees will opt out of their high deductible plans into DPC with health ministry share for the high risk stuff. Employers smaller are following the jumbos out of the buka land as well by self-insuring. Most are today. 
Number eight, someone academic or big news will report the eight winners in direct contracting, which is consumers, docs and nurses, employers, shareholders, outcomes, costs, and communities. This kicks the triple and quadruple aim forever to the curb where it belongs. Number nine, advisors who took and took and took, not disclosing how, will now be fired in droves with transparency mandates coming out the past two years. And number 10, nothing of importance is going to be changed by a bot converse. Okay, so we welcome to the show Dr. Kenneth Kui, who started his own DPC practice straight out of his training. He's on the DPC Alliance Board and DPC Coalition Steering Committee. He founded X equals primary care or XPC, where he and his co-founder, Paulius Mui, dive into all sorts of primary care innovation. Dr. Pui currently also advises health tech companies and teaches at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine. Welcome, Kenneth, to the show. Hey, Ron, thanks for having me. Yeah, any comments before we go? Uh, no, I'm just, uh, thanks for having me on. I look forward to our conversation. So you wrote a column recently all about DPC. Tell me what you see as the landscape and the outlook for DPC in the next year. Yeah, so the article you're referring to is the one that Paulius and I worked on called uh, Direct Primary Care Landscape. And it's pretty much an overview of where almost every different type of direct primary care that's out there right now. So just giving a little bit of um, background of the movement. So Dr. Garrison Bliss is largely credited with starting it and uh, making a lot of the, the big early pushes to make it a, a viable model. And this was back in 1997. Uh, you mentioned in your intro, it's been growing super fast for four to six years, but really got its start back in 97. Um, since that time, this idea of subscription-based insurance-free primary care has, has really taken off. And right now there's several different iterations. So the original core one is the independent practice, right? It's a doctor who starts his own clinic, sees patients and runs the business. So we call that the individual retail because they're going after individual patients. Some of these individual doctors found success in um, pairing with businesses. So they become part of a benefits plan. And so we call these individual employer-based clinics and they've done very well expanded quickly. Um, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas are some of the big markets. And interestingly enough, recently there's been more corporate interest. So VC or private equity uh, bad companies that are also doing this subscription-based model. And so there's some that go direct to uh, consumer, which is the retail uh, companies like Galileo or Forward. And actually some of them, interestingly enough, are in the DPC space now, but started as on-site or near-site. For example, Healthgram out of North Carolina, but then there are ones that are uh, subscription-based that started out subscription-based for employers such as Crossover, uh, which is well-known in Texas. So broadly speaking, that's where we are right now in what um, direct primary care looks like from, from a 10,000 foot level. Yeah, you broke them into four categories also, micro practices, multi-clinician groups, DPC physician networks, and corporate. So you want to say anything about that, why you broke it up that way? Yeah, so the categories that I just went through were on our um, two-by-two table. We, we made a mention of these sizes as well because 
I think a, a lot of people, when they hear direct primary care, especially for people who aren't really familiar with what DPC is, um, they may have this misunderstanding that maybe like, oh, one medical's DPC or maybe concierge is DPC and you have to be corporate to do it. Um, but what we were highlighting there is the fact that you can have this, this business model, the subscription-based primary care at any level. So about 10 years ago, there used to be this whole segment of family doctors within the American Academy of Family Physicians. And I think they had their own conference too. That was about micro practices, how to successfully run a micro practice. Well, that wing no longer exists because they're pretty much all DPC practices. You, you more or less can't have a fee-for-service micro practice nowadays anymore. Um, so you can be real, you can bootstrap, be small, not have any staff, run your entire clinic by yourself. And as we've seen, like I mentioned, some of the companies, uh, Crossover, um, Galileo, you can have these mega corporations as well. So this business model is very versatile. You can have different customer bases, whether it's individuals, whether it's employers, and you can do it at different sizes, whether you're just one doc, one room, or you're a uh, multi-million dollar company across the country. So from your research, how many members are in the DPC community? Do you have any numbers you care to guess at? Because we have interviewed CEOs on the show, and we think the number somewhere between 24 and 30 million. In terms of patients? Yes. So that depends on how you define it. The if, if you're asking independent DPC physicians, and we made a little mention of this in our article because these bigger corporations, a lot of them don't call themselves DPC. They just call themselves by their name. The, the core, the spirit of direct primary care was really the independent doctor running their clinic, seeing patients, Dr. Bliss has mentioned he never thought it would become this national movement and really change how healthcare was done in this country. So it depends on who you ask. Of course, these CEOs, they're going to tell you that they take care of hundreds of thousands of people, and there's multiple companies that do that. So definitely the numbers can get into the millions. But generally, those are the ones that are doing it through these large employer contracts. Yeah. And the line between on-site, near-site, and true DPC um, or whether they're even different nowadays, that's kind of hard to delineate um, from an individual's consciousness, right? If we were to go talk to the average person off the street, they generally wouldn't know the difference because it's whatever benefit their employer uh, has given them. For example, uh, Capital One here in Richmond, they provide on-site care. Whether or not it's a subscription base, I don't know. But at the end of the day, the employee has no idea whether it's direct care, whether it's insurance-based. They just know oh, it's just something their employer gives. So that's why I think if you were to ask about everything from micro practice patients all the way to corporate customers, that number is going to be pretty hard to, to, to nail down. Well, I would define DPC, any company that has a per member per month fee and they're charging it to either employers or to individuals. Mm -hmm. So the individual market, if you go on the mapper site is about 2 million and has been for a while. Mm -hmm. But if you go off the mapper site and say, well, what about the Eversides and the crossovers of the world? Yeah. It easily jumps up to 20 million. And it looks to me, I mean, every time I enter a new company, I find another 4 million or a million or 2 million. And, you know, there, there are companies that serve as many as 4 million. 
there's some virtual ones that serve as many as 11 million. I don't know what Teladoc's doing because they won't get on this show, but <laughs> uh, Medici will see 11 million this year. So, I mean, that that to me indicates there is something big going on there on the corporate side. And that's where the I, also the real growth is because this, if it's paying for itself, like I said at the top of the show, if there's a 10 to one, and most of these companies can show easily a one-to-one year one and a three-to-one year three. Mm-hmm. But if it's actually in soft costs, a 10-to-one, which means throw in your workers' comp, throw in your absenteeism, throw in your presenteeism, throw in your efficiency, throw, throw in all the soft numbers, 10-to-one mm-hmm. is what the California study showed. Yeah. So the more of these employer DPCs discovered this number and start presenting it, the more it's an undeniable fact that you just you can't not offer it if you're trying to serve your bottom line and let's face it, CFOs drive a lot of these purchasing decisions. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a good point looking at the individual market, right? I mentioned um, individual physician led physician run practices is where DPC started and the shift into employers was because these early uh, DPC practices, independent DPC practices started talking to their local business owners and everything and realized they they had a problem. Um, and as the insurance premiums went up concurrently with increasing deductibles, they said, hey, why don't you try my practice? Try this direct care thing, add it on as a benefit, and we'll see what we can do to your healthcare spend. And it was wildly successful. And these practices are are pretty, pretty large now. Um, you know, my friend Clint Flanagan out, out at Nextera, Kyle Rickner at Primary Health Partners, um, they, they've tapped into that market. And I think as, as people like them have grown, as these networks grow bigger, these other companies like Crossover realize, hey, there, there's something there. And more and more people are, are going to move that way. Um, you know, I mentioned Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, and now North Carolina as well. These are markets where as word of mouth amongst business owners have spread, direct care contracts have just skyrocketed. And I think more and more people are going to catch on and, and hopefully more neighboring states and cities will, will follow suit. Yeah. It's interesting in your article, you mentioned a lot of companies I've never heard of. So you give me a lot of meat for the grinder to bring on (laughs) the show. Sure. So you are yourself a DBC practitioner. That's right. Tell me, what that's been like for you. Are you glad you made that move? Is that as you had any regrets? Yeah. So it's, it's been fun. Um, I'll say that it's been fun and it's been a learning process. So just to give some background, you mentioned earlier, I'm on all these things. I actually started my practice a year and a half ago, straight out of residency. Um, but I had been studying the DPC uh, model and pretty active, have been pretty active in the community since I was a fourth year medical student. And this was back in 2017 when I went to my first DPC summit. So starting straight out is is a challenge because I am not a known entity in my community. I had to spend money to open the practice, but I don't think I could have done anything else because I had spent so much time learning it and doing it. You know, it almost felt like a continuance of residency. Like that was the the next natural step, right? You finish your three years of clinical training in the hospital system and then open open a practice. So it's been fun. Um, this area is also pretty DPC naive in that very few people have heard of it. 
and they're still trying to figure it out. So a lot of the marketing and advertising I do is really just education saying, this is what I do. This is why it's not concierge, like all these other concierge practices around here. Um, this is why it's better. And I'm slowly making my way into the employer space as well. And luckily some of the, uh, brokers are becoming benefit advisors in this area and kind of waking up to to this new thing so you know i think being being a first mover in this area might have its benefits hopefully soon um definitely its challenges but this is something i'm really passionate about so it's it's been good i mean we've been getting patience and we've been been growing nicely so i'm, I'm having fun doing it okay so is it an unstoppable movement and if it is why so is it unstoppable i mean i don't see anything stopping it anytime soon, right? The the forces that be right now are insurance companies that keep raising premiums, uh, keep raising deductibles and becoming profitable and, and people are getting frustrated by that. The other um, big move is these hospital systems that hire um, primary care physicians and force them to see more and more patients, burn them out, uh, just so that these doctors can't take good care of their patients and instead just refer into the hospital all the time. And I think as long as the, the big hospital systems keep making doctors not practice how they want to practice and, and instead become referral mills, and as long as insurance companies uh, keep offering a worse and worse product, people are going to start looking uh, at different options. And that's really where, where direct care comes. So in your medical school and your residency program, do you have residents asking you about how to get involved in the model? Oh, absolutely. That's been incredible growth. So when I was a fourth year med student learning about it, virtually nobody at the medical, well, at least nobody I knew at the uh, med student level knew what DPC was. Uh, even in residency, I had to go around and educate and teach. And that was actually where I got uh, a lot of where, where most of my activity was in the first four years I was involved with the direct primary care community was medical student resident education. But now, you know, just six years later, I have first year medical students who approach me and they say, you know, not only do they want to be a family doctor, they say they specifically want to, want to be a DPC doctor. Wow, that's great. Yeah, to see that effect so early in the pipeline um, and to see that much interest is, uh, I think it, it, it's pretty great. Well, they see you thriving. Do you have yeah. any of the students doing rounds in your own office? So I don't have uh, students right now um, working on potentially doing doing a program, but I, I won't speak too much to that because uh, that's still very early on, but hopefully soon. Um, you know, one of the challenges with having medical students at a DPC practice, especially an early one like mine, is we don't have high patient volume, right? And when, you, when you're in medical training and education, one of the things you really do actually want to get is volume, just so you can see a bunch of different things. So you can spend more time educating students in a DPC practice, but they may not get to see as much. Um, and so I'm still really on the fence about whether a DPC clinic is the best place for a student to train uh, for their clinical knowledge. But I definitely think having exposure and having the students visit and talk with us and have them walk through our clinic, um, that's definitely something that's important. And we definitely do that. So any, my door is always open for any medical student to, to come spend an afternoon or a day and I'll frequently take them out for coffee or lunch just to tell them 
um, what my, my day is like, what it's like running a clinic. And I'm affiliated with VCU, which is the med school here in Richmond. And I'll go there and, and do talks for their uh, student interest groups as yeah. well. We've had folks on the show like Atlas MD and they, they have folks doing rounds there yep. at the Kansas Medical School there in Topeka. Sure. We, the University of Houston now has a DPC clinic on site at the medical school, which is a first. Well, they closed it. Oh, they closed it? That's in our article. Yeah. I oh. They closed it. It lasted about a year. I don't know what happened. That's a shame. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. But that was really helpful. And I'm sure there are other doctors that do rounds in their offices too. But how do folks reach you, Kenneth Q, if they want to? So xprimarycare.com is our website where you can see some of our guides, our YouTube and our um, Substack. But um, yeah, our LinkedIn is there. Uh, they can send me an email. Um, my email is uh, drkqmd at gmail. So drkqmd uh, at gmail. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to engage anybody who is in, in the pipeline, so medical students, residents, physicians interested in direct primary care or any other topic they want to talk about or anyone else who, who wants to learn more about this space. And because you're a longtime listener, you know the next question. What banner would you fly overhead to tell America if you could? I think it's um, primary care matters. Choose wisely. That's good. That's very good. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kenneth Q. We'll have you back on the show and check on your progress. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Ron. This was fun. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.